Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organize Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me was reborn as a podcast in 2020 to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organize Curate Design, I welcome you to season two, another year of sharing the stories of inspirational women. Welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me for Season 2, 2021. I have with me today, Megan Jaworski. Welcome, Megan. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Now we're going to get stuck in and share a little bit about you with our listeners. So Megan is a mother of two preschool boys, a lover, lover of ethical clothes and the founder of Edge Foundation, a charity that educates vulnerable children in Zimbabwe. She helps female entrepreneurs break through fear when growing a business to back themselves and be bold. She does this through coaching, training and support. Megan believes that when we're living on purpose, we make a greater impact in the world. She's a qualified coach, neuro-linguistic programmer, NLP and teacher. Welcome, Megan. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Wow, I'm... I. I have so many questions and I know that I always give you, well, I've given you a brief on what I would like to talk to you about today, but let's jump straight in and um, kind of get an understanding of you and and break down some of those awesome things that we just heard about you. I am incredibly keen to hear about Edge Foundation. I've heard a little bit about you and your childhood and your childhood posters and all that <laughs> So take us back to maybe before Edge and then how it came to be that you actually started your own foundation. Yeah, so my I know this might sound really cliched or boring, but from the time I was about five years old, um, when I saw that there was a famine in Ethiopia at the time, I think it was in the late 80s, um, early 90s, um, yeah, I was, I was quite young. I said to my parents, Mum and Dad, I just you know, this is wrong. You know, one day I'm going to go and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to, I'm going to help people who don't have what I have. My parents are just like, oh, that's nice, dear. And so, yeah, yeah. Thinking, oh, that's, that's, that's a nice, you know, cute little thing for a girl to think. Um, But honestly, it shaped my life forever. And I still remember seeing it. And so therefore, when I was in high school, I volunteered um, overseas. And then when I was 22, I went to Zambia where I was, I was studying teaching to become a teacher because I really believed that education was key to breaking the cycle of poverty. And so I was really keen, even though in Australia we have a different kind of poverty and knew that my teaching degree would yeah, come in handy. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I went and taught in Zambia when I was 22 for three months on my own in um, a really um, – really poor um, I guess you could call it like a slum on the outskirts of the capital city there and you know I saw kids um, dying of AIDS and stuff and then when I was um, what year was this um what what year are we talking 2004 2005 okay. so it was still when there was a I think um, the AIDS pandemic was still quite rife you know, yeah. at that time. I mean, it's still yeah. around now, but it was kind of at its peak in the late 90s and, you know, it was still very in its peak at that time. And um, and then I came back and I just knew that I said to my husband, um, he was my boyfriend at the time, but I said, look, if you want to marry me, like when he, 
and we were talking <laughs> about marriage. I said, yeah, we're going to have a wild adventure and we're yeah. going to go and we're going to go to developing countries. We're going to give away our money. Like this is this is who I am. So if you want to marry me, then you have to take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was like, okay, but I don't think anyone is getting into into yeah no no one ever does when you're like this is my purpose in life (laughs) exactly and so then when I was 26 he was working at PricewaterhouseCoopers you know um as an accountant yeah working his way up and Mm -hmm. really just starting out but you know um and I was teaching and I just felt this strong impression that we needed to volunteer for 12 months overseas and I just said we have got so much and it was really um you know, it's not the time when you take a year off. No, not at that career. point in your career. <laughs> and where, you know, he was in, yeah, exactly. And he was 29 and, um, yeah, and so he was just like, okay, well, I trust you if this is what you think. And so we ended up going to India for um, five months living with um, children who were being housed and educated whose parents had leprosy. And so some of the kids had leprosy as well. And so we were living in, like, this um two bedroom there was like three rooms but you know two bedroom place with 30 something children and um how many and there was like I don't know about seven adults and here we were sleeping with them it was crazy yeah so um then what a contrast to being in corporate and I know we're living in Melbourne in Melbourne and you know like but you know um yeah, so so going from our affluent society here with two professional careers working our way up to selling everything to volunteer and live in in these kind of conditions with these yeah. children. And then we went um, from there, and that was really challenging because I didn't research the temperature and the weather in India, and I didn't realise oh, how right. hot it was going to be in the south of India where we were. So it was like yeah. 50 degrees literally. But, yeah, it was yeah, really – Yeah, compared to Melbourne, definitely. Exactly. Um, but, it was, but it was an incredible experience because I was teaching and he was helping run the project and stuff. Mm. And then we went to Zimbabwe. And we went over there because when I was in Zambia when I was 22, I met this guy who started a baby's orphanage in Zimbabwe and we stayed in touch. And when he told me, Megan, we'd just housed these kids that were living on the streets, would love you to come over because he knew I was a teacher, I was just like, right, we're going to spend half our time in India and half our time in Africa. So we went over to Zimbabwe and I thought I was going over there to run like a school holiday program for these yeah. children. Something and it was established. Yeah, yeah, and kind yeah. of just not, not really do anything necessarily I didn't have any grand plans beyond the time we were there um I wanted to make a difference when I was there but I didn't really think beyond that and so when I went there I remember it was these these children just they 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 stole my heart like like they were just incredible and some of them were teenagers and they'd be living on the streets for up to 10 years and one night I slept over at their house and um and it was about one o'clock in the morning and everyone was sleeping. And there were, you know, about seven or eight bodies just sleeping on the floor because they had no beds. And this 11-year-old, he just turned 11, he was in my arms and he was telling me his life story. And he said he was telling me the most horrendous things that you could imagine from the time he was six to the time he was 10. He lived on the streets because he was getting beaten up so badly at home. And he showed me scars on his head and his body. 
And then he told me of the horrors that occurred to him while he was living on the streets and the abuse that he received at the hands of people on the streets because he was cute and little. He got more money begging than others. So the things that would happen to him to get his money, it, it was heartbreaking. I could go into detail, but I won't out of respect to his privacy. Yeah, to his story, yeah. Exactly. But you can imagine. And here he is telling me this. And now I've got a boy who's five. And honestly, I just, I I can't even begin to comprehend. I've got kids of my own as well. I hear those stories and my stomach turns a little. Exactly. Yeah, as a parent, you you have a completely different visceral reaction to those stories. And so at the time I was incredibly moved as well because I, I could see the tears in his eyes and the pain and sorrow mm. of a child of, of just turned 11. He lived a lifetime of heartache and pain and abuse. And, and I thought, what on earth do you say to a child who've just shared that with you? And so I looked down at him and I said to him, well, if you could have anything in this world, what would it be? And he looked up at me with big eyes, tears in his eyes, and he said, Megan, all I want is to go to school. Mm. And it was yeah. one of those And had he moments. not gone to school at all at that point? He had, and he was so good at school. He was doing so well, but he had to leave school when he ran away from home because of the abuse, and he was very good at school. And it was one of those pivotal moments in my life where I was like, well, the next thing I say is going to shape the course of my life and his forever. And because I was very clear on my values, because I was very clear on the purpose that I was there, I was very clear on like I had powerful beliefs to back me up and to support me. I looked down at him and I said to him, for as long as you need to go to school, I will make sure you go to school. Mm. And it was that promise that changed the course of my life and his forever, as well as the course of now we've helped educate over 100 children. And so it was that wow. promise that led to establishing a homeschool program because we couldn't send the kids, kids to a local school because I missed too much schooling. So you can't have a 16-year-old in grade one. So yeah, we had a lot of gaps to fill. So I partnered with a local organisation and they helped us employ local teachers Together we set up um, a a curriculum for them and then we ended up, I came back to Australia with my husband and we ended up setting up registering the Charity Edge Foundation and and then every year I just went over there and and help, you know, for like a few months at a time um, and then a few weeks at a time as well. And, yeah, this local organisation, we just worked together and we've helped raise close to half a million dollars. We've employed over yeah I don't know how many teachers we've employed in that time but at at least more than 10 and plus Mm -hmm. a social worker we've um, been able to um, buy purchase a building so we raised you know we needed $80,000 to buy a school building and we ended up raising that amount we bought a school bus because the kids were walking up to 16 kilometers a day to Mm -hmm. come to the school and currently now we have handed over um, most a lot of the the project to the local organization now like with funding we now fund probably a third of it um edge foundation and then they get funding from elsewhere and um now we send kids um we're, we're currently educating over 40 children where we either send them to a local school if they can go 
or we have our school building a sort of farm and it's either to bridge the gap so we can transfer them to main main school education or mm-hmm. they, to get them in English, maths and science up to a certain level so they can go on and learn a trade. So yeah. it's like a halfway school for them to either go to, yeah. to formal yeah. schooling really or a bridge program. A bridge, yeah. Yes. So we have these mm-hmm. two options. So, yeah, we have about, I think, 15 kids in the, I guess, a bridge option. Um, mm-hmm. And then we send about, I think it's around 20 five or so to local school but we've got a big like waiting list as well um it's just funding and resources and with covid we've we've had to um, it's been incredibly hard especially you know we think it's been hard in australia but developing countries have really been hit the worst yeah yeah so that's that's how it all began (laughs) there's so much there oh that is uh uh, congratulations. That's the first thing I want to say. Um, it takes it takes so much courage and resilience and persistence to have an idea like that and a passion and a purpose and to then actually act and to take those risks and jump on a plane and sell your property or put your stuff in storage or move away from the the luxuries of our very privileged lives here in Australia in most cases and um and to bring your husband or then boyfriend along the way and 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 have him on board as well so he sounds like a great guy that's obviously completely aligned with your purpose and values as well so that yeah. is incredible. Um, it we really talked just briefly about. Sorry. And even now with kid, um, children, my capacity, that's why, you know, we only do one third um, now because I just don't have capacity because um, with the kids and my own business as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but it really does just remind me that we don't need to go overseas to make a difference. We can do that with our resources, with our time, with our voice. Um, yep. There are so many ways that we can help um, make a positive contribution in this world. Yeah. No, that's so true. And I think that's actually a really important message as well because sometimes we do have situations or circumstances in our lives that we we, we don't have the capacity to just mm. pack things up and disappear and go overseas or whatever else, especially right now. You know, we're in 2021, but we're not traveling overseas anytime soon. No. So there's still a lot um, there. The world is still changing quite rapidly. Um, and I know that people that have their own children can sometimes be really conscious that taking their time away from their own families can um, can be a challenge. Um, how do you feel that that experience, because it was, you know, quite some time ago now and, and everything that's happened in the time that you've worked with Edge and now that you have your own children, how do you feel that that impacts you as a parent or as a mother? Yeah, I'm really aware of, I'm very aware of the messages that I send my children. So I won't say to them things like, you must eat all your food because there are starving kids in Africa because, <laughs> you know, yep. the, the correlation there doesn't really make much sense because you you being gluttonous and eating all your food doesn't help them. Um, no, it doesn't. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. It's definitely something that we, we were told. Heard. Kids, yes. Like I don't, I don't remember. Um, like being African myself, I don't remember that specific phrasing, like the part at the end. But I do definitely remember the kids without food out there, and there's poor kids, and that's why you need to eat your food. So, like even, like even I heard that growing up. Um, yeah, where do we pick? Like, um, I don't think our uh, 
I don't know. It's, I'm it's, thinking about that now. I'm going to be really conscious of that. Yeah, so it's little things like that that I'm really conscious of as well with with just how much my kids have. And we don't buy them a lot. But we've got a – my husband's got a quite a large extended family, so they do get a lot of gifts at Christmas and, yeah. you know, at birthdays and stuff. And we're very conscious of the amount of things that we have also, they're a bit too young now to get pocket money. But when they are yeah. older, it's really going to shape how much they set aside to save, donate to charities and causes, yeah. and they can spend. And even now at Christmas time, we make sure they choose a gift for a child who can't afford one or we donate to a charity. When the bushfires happened, I, you know, they chose to donate to, to koalas. And then um, they learned about the orangutans and they chose to, we adopted two orangutans now because my son was so moved by what's going on. And so even though that's not people and it's not our charity, I'm very conscious of my children being aware that we are just a part of a global system and what we do does have a ripple effect for good or for bad. And whether that be the environment, animals, people, we can all contribute, especially with parenting, in our values that we bring our kids up with and the conversations that we have. So instead of saying things around, you know, you must eat your food because some kids don't have it, instead I will say to my children, you know, did you know that some children don't have enough food? My son will be like, he's five. Well, you know, mommy, why is that? And then we can have really good conversations. And then I can say, so, you know, what do you think could be um, a solution to this? Because I want them to start thinking as well about different ways of doing things and thinking outside the square. Um, yeah. It's also made me very aware of my white privilege too and so and and my children's as well and so being really aware of having open conversations around that as well which is very challenging and difficult but it's very necessary because the last thing I want them to think is mummy went to Africa to save you know that white savior mentality that can come yeah. across and that's yeah. why we've handed over so much the local organization we only employ yeah, local empowering them to do the work absolutely yeah. because yeah. At the start, yeah. yes, because, you know, people can think. And one thing that, that this boy said to me, not, not the boy um, in my story, but one, another yeah. child who, so he was a teenager, he was 17 at the time, or 18 actually. So he was a young adult, but he was still housed there and he'd been living on the streets for over 10 years. And something he said to me was when I wanted to take a photo with him was he said no. And I said to him, why? Um, you know, why? I was just curious. And he said, I'm not going to let you take a photo of me so that you can then take it on social media or go home and show your friends and say, look what a great person is. Look at these poor kids yeah, in Africa. Wow. And he it's said. amazing that he was aware that that actually Absolutely. And he then wow. said to me, he goes, until I know you're genuine and you really do, you know, give yeah, a shit. No, and this isn't a photo op. This this is, exactly. Like, he goes, work. And then my he's, photo. Yes. And then wow. he said the thing that was like the slap in the face, we're not monkeys in a cage. We're not at the zoo. Oh, my goodness. I know. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I wasn't planning on putting that on social media or doing what he said, but it really made me question my motives at the same time mm. was, yeah. okay, this isn't about me. This is... Yeah. Um, this isn't about what a good person I am. This is this is so much deeper. Not that I was consciously thinking that, but it did make me question that because I think sometimes we can want to volunteer or donate money and, you know, we want to feel good ourselves about ourselves. But at the end of the day, 
is this really benefiting the people we're here to serve? And yeah, yeah. is the photo actually going to make a difference, or is it yes. about I'd be focusing my time on, yes. on something else? Yeah. Well, wow, you so- know what? I did end up taking a photo with him, so it we, we built a beautiful relationship in that time oh, of very nice. mutual respect. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting that you talk about that though, because I, um, even as a woman of color, I've had the same, the same internal challenges. So I'm conscious that yes, I'm a woman of color and yes, I have experienced a life in this body and in this walking through this world in this way. But I'm also really conscious that that mindset of I need to go save the people um, and therefore that's my driver to do good or donate to charity or to do the thing. I've had moments where even I've had to catch myself and go, wait, where is my motivation? And when did I decide that I was the person that had to save the other people? Um, So even though I know that we're really conscious and and we're becoming a lot more conscious of the, um, the systemic challenges we have around race and charity and race and and um, different countries and and how we contribute and how we do work I'm really mindful that it's also lifestyle privilege where you are all that stuff so I'm really conscious that that mindset for me is based on privilege it's based on where I am financially um, you know education where I happen to live all of those sorts of things and and sometimes even I catch myself out going wait when did I decide that I was supposed to save all the brown people? I'm like, I'm one of the brown people. <laughs> so let's just stop. Where's the motivation? What work needs to be done? And um, absolutely. Yeah, so I, and, I find and that really listening to them yeah. as well. And and I think that that was the biggest because I was in my 20s. Like I was really young. I just turned 27 when I started the school, and and it was a really steep learning curve, you know. At the same time, and and so yeah, with my parenting, it's about trying to educate my kids to really care but also to really listen to what it is that they need and to give to organisations that do empower locals and that do listen to them and that do really um, respect the the Indigenous culture as well. So so it is really important to know that we don't necessarily have all the solutions. We can work together. Yeah, and it needs to be about um, empowering that community, giving them the resources, letting them do the work as well, and and u- utilizing our skill sets, our our education, our finances, whatever we have to offer, to support them in that way. Um, because in any context, um, you know, the episode before this, we were talking about childhood sexual abuse, and and um, one of the conversations I often have with people um, around my own, be, me being a survivor and my own story, is people like, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like I don't need you to save me like I'm I'm okay I'm doing my work I'm really conscious of what I need from you but regardless of the context regardless of the issue we often don't need people to come and save us there's just there's other things that need to be done so um yeah yeah, it's it's fascinating um you know when you break that down and put it into all these different categories it's kind of the same thing so that's yeah exactly really fascinating now um I know that there's a part of your story when it comes to being being a mother, but with your own mother, um, that you lost your mother quite um, or a while ago now mm-hmm. to brain cancer. So when did that happen for you in this timeline and, and did that kind of impact anything else that was going on? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was about two or three years into running the school overseas and then teaching full-time in Australia. And um, I shouldn't say I was running it. The local organisation was in partner with yeah, me. No, no. But, um, but, yeah, and then my mum was diagnosed with a brain tumour. They removed that. And then a few months later she just completely lost function of her her mouth. She couldn't swallow, lost, she became pretty much blind in one eye. We we're just like, what's mm-hmm. going on? She got tests. She had cancer in her brain stem um, mm-hmm. that was actually unrelated to the brain tumour, which was really oh, wow. bizarre. Um, and she was diagnosed with three months left to live. And in that time I was teaching full-time grade six and I was like driving two to three hours a day from where I live to work to visit her at hospital back to home. And it was just yeah. this crazy all around Melbourne because none of them were close to each other. Um, yeah. and, and I remember just seeing her and the helplessness that I felt and the sadness obviously that I felt in knowing that no matter what we did, um, this was, it was, she was just too far, like, like it was just too far gone. And there was, so she had chemo and radio. Anyway, once she passed away, um, it, it really shook me in so many different ways. And I remember thinking about a year after she died that Mm. I wasn't happy as a teacher any longer. I wasn't feeling fulfillment that I thought I would. Um, I loved my students, but I didn't agree with certain parts of the education system. I yeah. didn't like and such a structure. Yeah. Exactly. And and I knew that this wasn't my calling. I knew that there was something greater. And with the work that I'd done overseas um, mm-hmm. and the kids, I saw their need on a deeper level that I could not, I couldn't help them. Um, I could help them with their education, but not on that deeper level, that emotional, psychological level. And it's the same with the students. Um, in Australia where I was teaching, a lot of them were coming to me with problems and I was just using because I've got a quite high emotional intelligence. So I was using my natural ability, but I really wanted to know more. And then I reflected on my mom and she tried so many different jobs and I mean, so many different businesses. She was a nurse, but she, she mm-hmm. kind of lost her passion for nursing Um in her late 40s she passed away just after her 54th birthday so she was very young and and I remember thinking when she died that she died with so many of her dreams still inside of her you know mm-hmm. where she tried to do these things but because she didn't have the support network around her that really understood what she was doing I didn't want other women to do that so for me mm-hmm. it really was these this combination of of those three things um, that led me to study life coaching and neurolinguistic programming and um, start my own business on the side of teaching because I wanted to make a difference in this world on a deeper, bigger level. And, mm-hmm. and it was actually a friend of mine who suggested me becoming a life coach. And I was just like, that sounds so naff. Like, <laughs> yeah, what is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then when I went and you know, did some research on it. I thought, actually, that sounds perfect for me. Um, yeah, perfect. So, yeah, so so then I guess that that desire for me to make a difference in this world and then with, with this desire of empowering women so that they can achieve what they want to achieve in life led me to set up my business, Megan Jaworski, um, where I work with the female entrepreneurs um, mm. and, and I help women really connect to and live their purpose each and every day um, so that they can make a difference in, 
in in their world in whichever way it may be yeah no that's amazing what a a beautiful way of honoring your mum as well to yeah that, that she may have not had or had the capacity to kind of live through and and to know that you've been able to kind of see that and then take it and and honor her in that way so that's that's really beautiful um and so I have heard a lot of people I know a lot of people that have done NPL I personally don't know what it is and I've never done anything in that space but everyone that's ever done is like have you done NPL and like what are you and like and then I'm like I don't know what you're talking about so tell me what it is and tell me why I need to do it or understand it because I'm sure there's probably lots of listeners going, Caroline, you're way behind the times, like everyone's done NPL, but I know that there would be some people that have <laughs> yeah. some value in getting some understanding of what it is. So I'm not a master practitioner, so I'm probably not the best person to to explain what it is. I'm sure there are people out there who are far more um could explain it far more eloquently than me. So I'll just explain it in really simple terms of how I see it. I love that. Simple terms works for me. (laughs) So so, um, neuro-linguistic programming, it's about the... It's about the lang- the messages that we send to our unconscious mind and how we communicate verbally as well as with our body language. So it looks at um, the, the messages we send to our brain through our language and how that can impact how we feel, what we do, um, and how we, we operate moving forward. So looking at that, it might be something as simple as our body language and the way we sit, the way we stand, how that impacts how we feel. It could be instead of saying things like, if I were to ask you, how are you? And you said, oh, I'm not bad. Our unconscious mind only uh, processes the bad, not the not. And so therefore we're going to feel worse. So it's looking at how we can change the way we speak, how we can change the way we use our body, how we can change the way we communicate to ourselves and to others that really maximises who we want to be and the results we get in life. So a lot of people use it in marketing and and sales. You can use it in that way. You can also use it in your personal life to heal. So you can look at your beliefs and your language and the messages you send to your mind based on past experiences, past um, events that have occurred to you. And by clearing that up from, you know, in your past, you can therefore operate in your present quite differently. So it incorporates that as well. Wow. Now I understand why everyone's always telling me that I need to, <laughs> or not that I need to because there's something that I need to assess, but um, that it would be another wonderful tool to have some knowledge on so I can better understand myself and therefore better Absolutely. Deliver yeah, and I actually thought it in, yeah, oh, it's, it's phenomenal in your business. I used to actually be a consultant um, before I became kids. I, I left teaching and I became an education consultant at some of the top private schools in Melbourne uh, on how mm-hmm. to incorporate um, NLP and uh, like neurolinguistic programming into best classroom practices because I mm-hmm. tested it for one year while I was teaching and studying it to see the results my students got. And things like visualising, like I'll get the kids to visualise how they want to be in the test and the answers and all the knowledge they knew before a test and they would do better in the test as a result of that. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so teaching teachers was what I ended up doing is how to incorporate like 
if you just write with a different color pen, like say blue blue pen on the board, like a blue marker on the board is always mm. English and green is always maths, the kids are going to visually remember things more because they'll anchor what we call anchoring a blue pen to English and a green one to maths. So when they're in a test, wow, they'll, they'll so visualize good. the color as well. So location, yeah. space, there are so many ways we can anchor things. So that's also about um how you can use it to benefit you so it's a really beautiful gift to give yourself um it's what I do with my clients is I help them I'll either teach them concepts or help them heal um using this technique as well so you use that example just then um regarding the education system and and Mm. and specifically children but how how are you using this to um in your coaching and and what kind of things are you working on with the women that you work with? Yeah, so I'm all about uh, helping women really connect to and live with their purpose. So how I do that is I look at things like their physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually and professionally, so those five areas of their life, and are they in alignment to who, so, you know, where you want to be professionally? Are you living in alignment to that now because everything mm-hmm. you do in those other areas of your life is going to impact your business. And so I'm not a business coach, but I help women get results in their business by focusing on these other areas. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. we can align ourselves with our um, mental health, so our mindset, so how I use it is I help them create a growth mindset. So instead of looking at problems all the time, I help them become solution-focused or I help them um let create really powerful beliefs and have a beautiful relationship with fear so instead of being afraid of fear I help them thank fear recognize the different types of fear and then differentiate between which type of fear it is and what action they need to take um Mm -hmm. and then also with their their emotional well-being honoring our emotions instead of pushing it aside I'm not one of these Pollyanna kind of people where you have to be positive all the time we need to honor our sadness and we need to honor that Mm -hmm. by acknowledging it um sitting in it until you get you know and then you, you everybody gets to a point where they're just over their own pity party yeah you don't want to be, you don't want to be exactly yeah. so yeah. so then giving them tools of how to move through it um mm. and also i look at their health as well um i look at their rituals their habits you know are mm. you moving your body in a way that feels good for you because motion it creates emotion are you yeah. loving yourself with the words you speak because that's going to impact your business. Um, so, yeah, I'm very holistic because I think all of those yeah, areas impact us living our purpose, whatever that is, however that looks yeah. like at the time we're in. Um, if we become aligned and we bridge that gap between where we are now and who we want to be and where we want to be, then mm-hmm. that's when we can start, start to create a beautiful life that is true for us. Yeah. Oh, that. Doesn't everyone want that? That sounds incredible. Really, our listeners are going, yeah, that's that's be it. What I have, or I'm close, or I, I, that's some really great, you know, some really great advice on how the things to be thinking about to ensure that that alignment is there. For the listeners who are thinking about starting their own businesses, they've got they've survived 2020 and they're like, this is my year, I'm going to try something new. Um, what's the first thing that you would recommend that they think about first before they do anything? Like they might have an idea or they might just go, I want to work for myself. Is there 
what would you say to be the best first thing to do? Um, I think the best, oh, there are so many. What so I many think first things. I know, right? There's so many first things. But I think what yeah. I would, if you're in that really early stage, it depends what, which stage you're at, but if you're kind of, I want to start a business, you're a little bit uncertain as to what it is, then what I would do is it's a bit like, I guess, a Venn diagram where you would write what your skills are and get really clear on what, what are your natural aptitudes, what are skills that you're not that great at but you would be willing to develop. And then on the other side is look at well, what are you passionate about, what brings you joy, what lights you up, you know, what's something that you really love, um, what problems do you love solving? And and then you find that middle part where the Venn diagram meets and then you look for a business in that area because the problem is so many people, what I see, is they go from one job and they just create another job for themselves yeah. in their own business. And this one, and this one you don't get sick pay and super and you're working no. around the clock. And you've got to do everything yourself. Exactly, right? And it's so yeah. hard when you're starting out because yeah. you literally do do nearly everything yourself and you have to become a jack of all trades and you feel like you're a master of none, you know, um, as they say sometimes. So when you get really clear on um, what your skills are and what your passion is and what you brings you joy that's what you want to do in your business because every day you want to be feeling a sense of contribution a sense of joy a sense of fulfillment and meaning and so there's no point doing something that's not going to bring you that because why would you leave a job for something that's not going to bring you that yeah. you know yeah. um and that's a good point actually because a lot of people I know that I've spoken to people and they're like oh I've got this great idea and I'm going to quit my job and I'm like whoa 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 slow down don't quit your job, yeah. start the business, just do it in your spare time. You have you, There's actually a lot of spare time Absolute, when you really look at that. Absolutely. Like I had a one-year yeah. exit strategy from teaching to running my own business and, mm. and it took me a year and I was teaching. Um, I cut back to 0.75 um, mm. percentage, which really in teachers' terms with high school and I was doing English and stuff, it was really still full-time. Then, um, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. to still do outside of your own normal Yeah, hours. exactly. But it then freed me up for the evenings and weekends where I could either coach clients, start promoting, set up a Facebook page, finish my studies because I was still um, in the process of doing that. And it really gave me that, it released that pressure because I was still bringing in income. So um, that's the second thing that I was going to say. Once you get clear on what you want to leave your job for to start a business, then have an exit strategy that's realistic for you because yeah. you don't want to put pressure on you and then come across desperate in your business because that's going to repel people. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And also um, you don't want to burn bridges as you exit as well, so it needs to be a really smooth exit out. Um, I know that I've I've had lots of different career paths and, and worked in lots of different industries and, and run another, like been involved in another business before, the one that I'm currently um, the founder of. And, and the amount of times where you come across someone again from a previous <laughs> life as such, and you're like, how did you, like, I'm way over here and you're over here. Um, and yeah, you want to make sure that those relationships are still sound and, um, and you For exit sure. in the right way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because it's depending on your business type and everything, you know, you don't want to, as you said, you don't want to burn those bridges because I, it's been 
remarkable how often my past has met with my present. And actually, I've employed yeah. my ex-students to outsource and do work for me now because now they're yeah. professionals. Yeah. So I think it's great as well um, that I build a relationship with my students too because you don't want to burn that bridge either because they become adults. So. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So we are at the start of a new year um, and though we know that this year has still got a few question marks on it as to what it's going to bring for us collectively as a, as a whole, like in our society and in our country and all that sort of stuff. Do you have any projects on the horizon? I, I hear that there's a podcast coming out and, and maybe a few other things. So tell us what's what's on the horizon for you at the moment. Yes, yeah, so I am launching a podcast called School of Impact Podcast where it's actually probably a little bit similar to what you do where I'm going to be interviewing um, women and, and every now and then a man who are doing incredible things to make this world a better place They're either through innovation, creativity, their business, um, they might be looking at um, environmental, social, political, whatever areas, and I'll be interviewing them. But I'm also going to be doing solo episodes where I'll be sharing um, tips, strategies, and educating people, hence why it's called School of Impact, because there's going to be an education yeah. component with if you do want to live on purpose, I'm going to be, you know, giving tips like imposter, moving through imposter syndrome or um you know, it might be about setting up rituals or something. So so there will also be solo episodes. But the whole theme is to help people make a positive impact in this world um, in their lives. Um, so that's coming next month, February. Um, so it might be, depending on when this is launched, it might be the same month. Yep. Um, yep. And then I'm, I've also got School of Impact Sisterhood that you presented at um, yes, to, the, to the girls. So I just started that a few months ago. But that is a beautiful collective of women who are in business who really want to take their business and their life to that next level to make a difference mm -hmm. in their industry, yep. to grow, to thrive in their personal life. And they want to beautiful group of women to support them and encourage them and you get weekly group coaching we get guest experts to come in like you did and you spoke on time management and productivity mm -hmm. which was great and we focus on um, mindset well-being and business so the three key areas and then um, yeah, and then yeah I'll probably be launching a purpose program as well to help people connect to oh, that's so their purpose which will incorporate a little bit of what we spoke about now. Yeah. So if you're listening to any of that or you just want to connect with Megan um, and follow what she's doing, um, we're going to make sure that all of Megan's details. So her website, which is where you can find School of Impact, um, definitely details to the podcast when it's launched and those sorts of things um, and her social media handles. So you can give her a follow and, and connect with her. And, and um, I personally love your Insta stories. They're always so uplifting, but always so honest as well. Um, there's always so many different lessons, um, but also a few giggles along the way. So um, <laughs> we'll make sure that all of your handles and and websites and whatever else are in the show notes. Um, and if you do want to find out more about Edge Foundation as well or want to support the foundation in any way, we'll make sure we have a link to um, Megan and Edge Foundation's web um, 
Facebook account, I think it is, your Facebook page. Is yes, probably, yeah, probably best to connect with me because we just have a simple landing page for our website. That yeah, has perfect. Bank cool. details. So we'll do that yeah. for you as well. Perfect. Yeah, so if you are interested in finding out any more about Edge Foundation and how you can support the work that they're doing as well, definitely contact Megan from there. Now, my last question, which is always my favourite, um, who is the first person that comes to mind that inspires you and why? So there were two people that came to mind. Okay, that's okay. I'll let you have <laughs> Audrey Hepburn um, because, oh, yes. I love Audrey I, Hepburn. I know, right? The reason why is because she said that when she was interviewed later on in her life, you know, you've won so many um, Oscars and awards, but what's been your greatest yeah. achievement? And she said, nothing has been greater for me than the humanitarian work that I've done. Mm. And I really love yeah. that because nice. she was such a fashion icon and I like fashion and she was so elegant and beautiful, but she had so much depth and heart mm. and she was a UN ambassador and she raised so much money for um for to bring equality into this world for social justice issues for poverty so for me she really inspires me because it goes to show that they can go to hand in hand um, yeah, you can be more than one thing at a time exactly yeah. um and then my second one's Brene Brown which is very cliched um I know no, I love Brene, Brown <laughs> I love Brene Brown's podcast I love her books yeah. um I love her she's just a rough Texan who's incredibly intelligent. I, that's what I love about her the most. <laughs> I love the fact that she just she swears, like, she swears, she talks about her own, um, like you know her her um, AA, like the work she's done in AA, and oh. um, just when she's just failing at stuff and being really honest about it. Yeah. So, oh, and what a great recommendation. Talks about the little tiffs that she's had with her husband, and she's just so relatable. And I'm like. Oh, I just love her. And then her lessons. She helped me get out of postnatal anxiety and and um and mild postnatal depression. Her book, Rising Strong. So she really inspires me because of that reason. So they're two two very different women, but two very powerful women in their industries too. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you for sharing your story and or so many stories with us today. Um, as I said earlier, if you would like to connect with Megan, um, we'll have all her details in the show notes and we'll be tagging her on our social media as well over the week that her episode's released. Um, thank you again. Thank it's you. It's been a pleasure. And um, for our listeners, we will speak to you again in our next episode. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us today and for being a part of this incredible community. Remember to hit subscribe, to share this episode with your friends and family, and to join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.